Hello friends, how's it going? Matt here, back with another episode and let me start right away by saying this one is bloody great. When I mentioned I'd be chatting to legendary skater, surfer, artist, director and all-round creative legend Thomas Campbell for an episode of the show, excitement and expectation among the Looking Sideways community was pretty high. Why? Well, Thomas is a proper, and I'm going to be using this word quite a lot in this introduction, legend who is surely one of the most important creative influences on our little corner of the world. Now, just quite how influential became apparent while I was researching his career in preparation for this chat. And basically every single article talks about how films such as The Seedling and The Sprout and Sprout pretty much transform surf culture and basically underline the point about what a towering figure he is. Now, I've spoken about this before, but as is always the case with somebody like Thomas, you do need to find a way in and you do need to earn the interviewee's trust. Assuming that they care, because as we've seen in a couple of recent episodes, sometimes people just turn up very much driven by their own agenda and haven't really um, looked into what this is all about. And, you know, with, with, with mixed yet intriguing results, I will say. Um, I've spoken about this a lot in various talks that I do on podcasting and storytelling. I've written about it. But yeah, this finding the way in so people can understand what this is about is essential. I, I did have a feeling from said research that Thomas Campbell would take most of the hype about his own career with a rather large grain of salt and would indeed be more interested in having a thoughtful chat about life, art and creativity rather than, you know, selling a book or his latest project. Why did I think this? Well, I listened to the Water People conversation with Dave and Lauren, which was really great. And then there was just the way that he was on email, um, unfailingly polite, generous and responsive since I began messaging him around four years ago, trying to set this up. I mean, I was a little nervous about this one, which is unusual for me these days. Uh, firstly, because I was petrified my dodgy French internet would pack in. And also because it's Thomas Campbell, isn't it? And I, ju- I just wanted this one to go well. But as I suspected, I needn't have worried. This is one of my favourite, very favourite types of looking sideways conversation. Um, one for the books, as I believe is a phrase du jour. Um, with a proper legend where it works out the way that I always hope that they will. Here we have one of our world's most successful artists delving right into his process and motivation and displaying the charm, generosity, curiosity and appetite for life that is such a feature of his work. File it next to Stacey Peralta, Peterson and Norton and Christina Cook and other Looking Sideways chats that are right up there. Hope you enjoy my conversation uh, with Thomas Campbell. Sit in the chair. I just bought a house here. Well, me and my wife did um, like an old wreck, (laughs) which is where I am now. Um, So we are kind of getting our our heads around it. It's like a two, 300 year old barn, like made out of cob, you know, like out of lime and earth, basically. Um, I know know what a cob house is. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, and we think it's probably like, yeah, like two, three hundred years old, and then they've just like added shit. So there's like asbestos roofs, and they've added extensions, and um, so we we bought it in December, 
and it's got an acre of land as well which is completely overgrown i mean it was super cheap like um which is because you know if you i'm from england and if you're going to try and buy some land in england you just it's like you know millions basically so we decided to like come to this part of france um so it's rad it's like um big scary scary so this this so what they did was they've they've put like an apartment in it which is where i am now um but they've literally just put like tiles on the floor and on the earth floor and you know like it's 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 kind of it kind of works in the summer in the winter it'd be pretty fucked though um so we're over here for a month and we're basically like trying to just understand the property really and you know see where the where the weather hits it see whether um and then we're probably going to come back i'm going to go home to england in um for a month like august to september and then we'll come back so we're just going to do that we're going to like keep coming back and um yeah chip away basically so where do you live in england again i live in a town called brighton on the south coast i've been to brighton i've been all over the uk like top to bottom ireland whatever what were you doing in brighton let's see i was there in 19 1991, I think, and and I was on a skateboard tour uh, with like, I think it was like John Cardiel, Alan Peterson, Karma Tashif, wow, uh, Mark Gonzalez, Ron Chapman, and Sal- Salman Aga, wow, and and Skin Phillips was the van driver. And, uh, and we, we went all, we went pretty much, we went all the way up to Scotland and then all the way down to Devon. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and right. we skated like the old, mostly we skated the old skate park. What like was this when? Hurleywell uh, Bay and uh, Livingston. And I think I remember that because, um, you remember Rad's magazine, obviously read and destroy. Yeah. Uh, I seem to remember from, I'm guessing this was like, there was a really well-known shot that did the rounds of Cardiel doing like a, like a frontside air out of a bowl, basically like a very nose boned. Um, and I really remember that from being a kid, 15, 16 at that point. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much John, I don't know how much John was over there besides that, but, and that was like, and then Mark, Mark like hippie jumped into the, into South Bank. Yeah, like the super you know, famous. Like yeah, over, over the rail hippie jump. Yeah, like it I was remember. funny. Mark, at the time, it seemed like he was kind of disinterested in skateboarding. Right, and um, so he kind of barely skated on the whole trip. Okay, right. Like it would just be like. Oh, let me borrow your board. And then he would just do something, you know, just or whatever, or just like jump like jump up on a ten stair handrail in the rain and slide down on his feet, you know, like Yeah. Like whatever. It's just he's not predictable in that in the touring way. Yeah. Sure. But John but John was. John was like everywhere we went he would be like he would be like smoking hash 
eating candy, <laughs> drinking Coke, like just like, and then the van door would open and he'd be like, and then like, what, wherever we were, he did the craziest thing that had ever been done there. And then to the next. Well, well one, of, one of my favorite skate pitches is John Cardial in Rick's grandson doing a McTwist in the snow. Have you ever seen that? Like that? Yeah that that shot is wild like it's obviously like dusk literal snowstorm you know in the arctic circle like padless mctwist it's yeah it's pretty pretty epic yeah i'm sure sure that didn't work out well (laughs) so how are you anyway you sound like you've got a bit of a deadline or you've got a huge project on the go uh no just normal 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 stuff just yeah i i i'm working on i'm finishing a new surf film and uh so i i actually tonight i have or later today i have kind of one of the last shoots for it i it's not a huge amount of shooting but it's just like i made these like life size maybe like 10 foot or 3 meter kind of like marionettes like for these people to move around and so after i talk to you i have to go work on those and then like right at the end of the day today i'll i'll go shoot it i tried to shoot it the other day but it was too windy right so i have to go to a place that's not windy which i think i figured out but um i guess my question to you is um because i'm not positive exactly about your podcast but what what is your what is your interest in because because that's the thing for me is I, I work in so many realms that I'm wondering what your interest is. Well, we've been chatting for a while, haven't we, over Instagram over the last few years? Um, do you know what? I just thought today, I I was quite up for not really coming to this with much of an agenda. Um, sure. I don't really I don't tend to like approach these with much of an agenda really. I try and have a chat and see where we end up. I know that's the kind of thing that most people that run podcasts say, um, but it is genuinely a, the way that I do approach this. And the other thing I kind of noticed is like, you're quite generous with your time. You're always, you know, you, you've made a real effort to sort of speak to me, but um, do you enjoy doing these? Like, I kind of, I kind of wonder if you, if you actually, because just from listening to a few and reading to him, it seems like you're not super, it doesn't seem like you're super comfortable, like try to explain what you do, you know, like, so I was just curious about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes, sometimes (laughs) I like it. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, like, I think what's more like less interesting to me is like, I don't mind talking to people one-on-one about I mean, I'm, I'm not like overly interested in talking about myself and, and then, and then, but mostly the thing that I have more problems with is like being, being in a place like at an opening or at a movie premiere or whatever, when I'm like one of the centers of attention. Yeah. As I get older, that is not, not that it's ever been a huge draw for me, but I think as I get older uh, and 
I think my energy wanes, the cracks kind of appear and, uh, I kind of have a little bit of like social anxiety in those scenarios. I don't have a social anxiety in this scenario at all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, you know, it's a part of what I do. I got to let people know about what I do. You know, what I'm, you're I'm not, what you're I'm not delusional to, I, I think I understand where I sit, uh, you know, and, and part of what I do you know, I need to have discourse and, and, <clears throat> and, uh, talk to people. <laughs> yeah. 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 To make people interested. You know, I'm, I'm lucky, you know, it's like, I get to make weird shit and like, and not really, you know, not, not with a lot of constraints on what I do. So, I don't think very many people have that ability or so I, I want to continue. Yeah. To yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the, that's the dream, right. To get up in the morning and decide how you want to spend your day and pursue that day with the things that interest you. I mean, that's, that's success, right? I mean, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I count myself quite fortunate to be able to do the same thing thing in a very different way than than how you do it but um feel very fortunate as well like that i don't have anybody telling me i've got to be somewhere or like how the day's got to pan out and uh it's a, it's a bit of a gift isn't it really obviously you work hard for it as you obviously have but to um to to have that position is yeah i think that's as a as i've got older i've realized that's actually for me what success kind of looks like really like having that freedom to do that would you agree with that yeah i think so yeah i mean that yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at is that if i really get just get to do you know i shouldn't say i get to do whatever i want i get to do things that i like and and a, and a lot of times the the kind of grinding to achieve those things is is very difficult and sometimes unpleasant in the end also in the end things that are good don't come easy uh so hopefully hopefully mostly uh i'm achieving that but that's that's not my uh that's not my job to to be calling that one way or another I to just ju to judge that yeah. yeah yeah you said um a couple of interesting things there you said the grinding i think was the word you used do you mean as in like the process of doing the work or getting yourself in a position to do the work i.e by like raising money or finding the, the means to 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 produce something an idea that you've got oh it could be it could that could incorporate all of that really, you know, like, but I just mean like, you know, like making a movie is probably one of the most tedious <laughs> long-term kind of painful <clears throat> thing that you could do. Uh, it is rewarding in the end. Uh, and it is rewarding in the process also, but you know, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times, 
maybe when I'm making like a big exhibition or working on a movie up my body is this kind of like really dude again <laughs> you're going right. to do this again you know cuz it's it's you know it's like you're pushing yourself or I'm I'm pushing myself out to the edge of my capabilities and you know like striving to a place that is uncomfortable and sometimes it's like 16 hour days for 5 months you know making especially making big exhibitions for like museums and stuff it's just like and the older i get my body's just like the voice is louder it's like dude really again <laughs> you know as in but, it man- as in it manifests itself physically that stress well i mean oh, stress yeah. is probably the wrong word but like um that that um effort well, let's use it's it's full body you know and and also i would say that like painting Painting is really, uh, at least for me, I just, whatever, speaking for myself, painting is really just like, it's it's kind of like coming in, like down my arm, like just into my heart. So it's like a real conduit of like emotion. And you're kind of like, it's an upheaval of emotion. And, and it's a lot. It's a big, it's a big uh, kind of, for me, it's just a, a big journey when like mostly people wouldn't have something in their life that would stir up all their inner shit so clearly. And I think that's what my body's like, really, dude, we're going to yeah. fucking stir up all this toxic shit or whatever it is, everything. Cause it like really, it, and it's not like linear or like, uh, how do, how do I say it? It's not like linear or very like exacting, but the, but the emotions there, and then you're you're with it, and it and so I I think that's that's more what it's about. I, I would say that the the movie making is just more like endless tedium of like having to just be there and just be there with every cut, and then just like balancing. You know, my movie I'm working on now is like a an hour and 20 minutes and it's like how you balance you know how you even get to balance that and then how you balance the nuance of the the overall look and the vibe and the trajectory and like how the sounds work and just and this whole just holding that is like quite quite a bit and i like it it's challenging and it and it and it uh i'd like i like challenge and i and i kind of like time, you know, like I don't mind taking time to do things like, like I'm not, I'm better that way. Like I feel like I kind of puts, I feel like my brain's like a rock tumbler. Like I put the rocks in kind of jagged and fucked and with, with enough time, hopefully they come out more smoothed out. But I feel like a lot of times for me, like having to respond like really quickly is not my forte. Like, right. I like I like to marinate on things for a while and be like, oh, okay, this could be like that. And then a few weeks later, oh yeah, oh, okay. That's how I'll try it. You know, like it it works out like that. I think better for me. Is that so that you that comes naturally to you to to 
go at that pace? Have you learned to do that or is that always how you've approached it? Um, I think, I think it's mostly been there most of my life, like that kind of pacing, but you know, like I, I like it cause it's like nice, like the, like the pacing of doing like big exhibitions of like my paintings and sculpture and sewing stuff and whatever, like a lot of it will be like two years out, you know, or even more, it could be three years. They'll be like, okay. In three years, you're going to have this show in March, you know, and and then I go, I'll fly to the place and I'll like look at the room and and I'll sit in there for a number of days and I'll like sketch it out in the in the in the space and then I'll go home and then I'll be thinking about it for for years at you know and and working on it, but being like okay, but have a basic idea and then start thinking about it and i like it per, I like, like per, percolating yeah almost. yeah 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 it's uh, the word that sprung to mind um it it doesn't come naturally to me that that's kind of why i asked that question i mean this project here this house like is is a kind of example of that like when we first looked at it i was a bit like fucking hell and 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 like the it's actually taken me quite a while to accept how long it's going to take and that that's kind of fine and that that's probably like a good thing, you know, like, because, and similarly, I've got a project I'm doing for Patagonia at the minute, which is like a, an audio, a three-part audio documentary, which is like quite definitely me stretching myself. And again, I've had to kind of approach it in the way that you're describing insofar as actually can't really rush this. It's going to take as long as it's going to take. And what I've found really enjoyable about the process is, is it almost developing in the, in the way that you talk about in those like static moments, like when you kind of aren't overtly concentrating on it and then you're like, ah, okay. That, so that and pe- like pieces kind of, it starts to make a bit more sense. And then in my case, I've been able to like then start putting it together, but definitely find that challenging which is i guess why i asked the question if you'd like learned it you know if it was like a something that you'd that, that it evolved with your process or career or however you want to phrase it i mean i would say that by what you're saying yeah i would say it's learned experience I mean, everything, almost yeah, to, everything to trust that I, it everything that i do is learned i mean i i really came from a really minimal not talented place you know like (laughs) like so i just kept trying and showing up for all the years and then you know and then kind of a style you know styles arrived or or were developed and you know i just kept building and but it wasn't it wasn't like i was a prodigy or anything i actually i was horrible when I started like, like literally horrible, but I, uh, I think, I think in the end and whatever, I've said this a number of times, but I feel like skateboarding, just the base, the baseline perseverance of skateboarding and the availability and the, and the knowing of failure on an, on a everyday basis, like skateboarding is just, Skateboarding is generally more based around failure than 
than success. But well, fail is celebrated in skateboarding, isn't it? It's like it's it's basically that's an inherent part of it, and that's just accepted as the deal, isn't it? You know, if you're going to get good, or you're going to not even get good, if you're going to like stick with it, you have to accept that you're going to constantly suck. And yeah. that's and it's seen as a great thing, isn't it? You know, which is quite unusual, isn't it? I think I would say it's the most unusual. Yeah, I don't think that it's. I can't really think of a lot of things that are that clear in that front. Yeah, but I would. I would say that that that's probably one of the the reasons that I've been able to be persistent and not not trip out on it. You know, and just be like, okay. Oh, that sucked. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Next, you know, like, so, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't. We wouldn't be talking today if it wasn't for that. Yeah, for you, sure. You, you used the phrase earlier, "toxic shit." <laughs> like, you said, you, you know, when you were talking about like you, this physical manifestation of the of 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 working creative process or whatever. Um. Is that an important part of it, like swimming in the the toxic shit? If you'll if you'll forgive that phrase, <laughs> um, I don't have to forgive it. I said it, so uh, oh, I meant I meant the swimming yeah. bit from me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just I just all I would just say about that is that like the especially in the painting side, it just it just brings up all emotions, like all of them. The dark, the darker side and the less darker side. And, you know, like, and, you know, a lot of it's like not stuff you want to really engage with. And, and, uh, you know, when you know that you're going in for four or five months and the way I, I, I kind of compartmentalize, like I'm probably different than other, say painters, other painters are painting like, 12 months out of the year. Uh, I'm not, I'm always drawing, but like, I'm, I'm not always, you know, I switch gears. I'll like make music or make movies or work on design projects or, and that, and that is by design because, you know, I feel like actually a lot of painters and especially a lot of my friends that I grew up with that are just painters you know, I, th- I think they have a, they have a really hard time. Like, in I think it's, you know, there's a, there's a long history of, of painters going fucking nuts and, you know, like, and, and a lot of my friends deal with that because that's all they do. And it's so it's, you know, if you're always stirring up the shit, I mean, this is from my perspective, you know, they might be having a different experience but my perspective is if you're always stirring up that shit like then you you're not really having like a a downtime you know and i you know like i probably 25 years ago i'm 54 now so probably about 25 years ago i could see the split in the road I could see, I could see just be more painting and how that could probably leave, lead to neurosis and 
probably not a very nice life and and you know not having basically i mean in the end of the day i i just really i want to be able to have a nice dinner with friends or family you know and and be able to communicate with people and you know so i i kind of like for myself i realize oh if i keep going down that road it might not end well so i kind of just leaned more into the diversity of doing having a rhythm of doing different types of creative things that kind of like move that that energy around and it helps me be a little more balanced and um it's like the old uh farm crop rotation keep the fields fallow you know let let the soil recover so that yeah well the different things are also just like you know like say like making movies is is not as emotional taking photos is not as emotional like as painting and you know then like say my sewing practice of like making quilted pieces i would say is is kind of emotional but has also like taught me a lot and influenced all the other parts like kind of largely because i feel like uh with the sewing stuff if i fuck up it only it kind of only gets better that's the the best pieces are the ones i fucked up the most on (laughs) so like i'm used to it like i'm all oh this isn't good and then it, it inspires me just to like feel it and not worry about it yeah not worry about the end result and just be with it and be like oh this part down here sucks chop it off stick it on the wall keep going with this oh it's working oh it's not working take that stick that up on the wall start something else two weeks later oh that part that i stuck up there two weeks ago that worked didn't work on that piece really works on this one and then oh oh cool this one's working you know like so it's really inspired everything to be like hack it up if if you don't feel like it's working good hack it up and see what it is. And that goes into film, making music, painting. And so, yeah, it's just interesting, like how they all influence each other and, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not delusional in thinking that I'm perfect or I've got it all figured out or all balanced or whatever. But um, I'm also, I'm also a dad, you know, like I, I have like a seven-year-old daughter named Swan. And you know, I I just I just I have to be present for her. And that's that's one of my main focuses in my life. And so however it goes, I I'm trying to work the balance and try to be a good dad. So yeah. That's that's one of that's one of the main things. Yeah. It's really interesting what you, when you mentioned that you, I think you used, you said like the fork in the road when you were younger, you kind of recognized that perhaps if you carried on down a singular path, emotionally, it might not be good. And then just as you described almost like the different, the way you can take emotional refuge, if you like, in different 
forms of expression you know i imagine music because you know we've had a bit of a geek out while i've been certainly sending you playlists and stuff like about music and clearly that's something we should chat about because gun club t-shirt i can see um huge passion um it suggests a lot of emotional self-awareness like to 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 kind of be that conscious of it you know to sort of say like and you and you the way you've been talking does suggest a high level of like emotional self-awareness which is not always a given is it like you know as in like being aware of like what the toxic shit is and how it can impact you and how you need to like navigate that you know like as a as a human particularly as you head into like middle age which i think is is a i, I mean it, it certainly in my case my perspective changed on that i began to understand a lot of things more um so i just yeah it's interesting Do, have you always had that kind of level of emotional self-awareness in, in in how you approach these things probably not you know i mean i, I think i'm like i mean whatever it, whatever you want to think about it or not but i'm like astrologically i'm like a aries taurus so i'm like the bullheaded baby <laughs> So there's probably what a combo. A lot, there's probably a lot. There's in in the bullheaded baby. There's probably there's a lot of blind blindness. You know, there's positive aspects to being a baby because you're in awe of everything. Everything's new. Uh, there's positive asset aspects to being the bull. Uh, you know, your determination and uh, you know. But then there's there's not there's the there's the not positive sides of it being stupid, being bullheaded when maybe you need to be more sensitive. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying, trying to, trying to work on it and trying to balance out. And yeah, so it's, it's a process, you know, like I've been, like I said, like I've been, in the throes of the bullheaded baby my whole life. So, you know, there's a lot of parts of it that, you know, like I'm not that proud of. And then a lot of the the reasons that we're talking today are because of it as well. So, uh, I'm just trying to acknowledge it and yeah. Yeah. Which is move move with it. Kind of all you can do really. Does it influence I mean, you've described how certain forms of creativity have different sort of emotional tariffs, if you like. Does it influence the projects that you take on? You know, you talked about like mixing it up as a form of you know, meeting different emotional needs. Almost, do, 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 does that have a does that have a a say in what you decide to do, um, or is it equally if something interesting comes along, you you know? you might just follow that because you like the idea of exploring that new idea. I, I would say it's probably a, it's probably a combination of the two, you know? Um, I don't know if it's clearly one or the other, but I generally try to like, since I'm generally working on a timeline that's pretty long, it's kind of like somewhat easier to pace what the different things that I'm going to be doing are and how those might balance. I think since I have enough things in play at all time, 
that it, you know, somewhat balances out naturally a little bit, you know, and, um, and, and then it, and then it also doesn't, it's like at a certain point, it's like making big exhibitions or making like a feature length film at a certain point, it's just heavy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, But that's a part of it, you know, and that's, and that's also, that's also like an exploration, you know, like you're, you're going to uncomfortable places and like, and finding new things and, and, you know, you can adapt those things into the less, less intense moments. And is, um, is, 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 do you still get like doubt? You know, the old class, I mean, it's a cliche, but the old like, oh shit, this isn't going to be any good. Like, is that something that is still a thing for you? Yeah. I mean, I think doubt, I think if you didn't have doubt, uh, you know, what, what would be driving you, you know, yeah. to, but I, I would say like, like, I would say at this point, that's kind of what I was talking about, like the sewing stuff and how it's in, inspired me. It's like, I'm, I'm less, less like at a place where I like fall totally into doubt. Yeah. And like stay there. Like, I'm just like, basically my feeling these days is just like, you just got to show up, yeah. you know, and try. And like, sometimes you're going to be more successful than other times. Yeah. And a lot of times that you might not be successful, but that failure will inform what you don't want to do going forward. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like if I just show up, you know, and, and do work, then it, generally will work out yeah uh, sit you know. sit in the chair actually do it yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and i think the pro the where you get into problems is when you don't when you and when you're just like trust the process be like oh all this stuff is shit but i'm learning from doing this stuff and then just keep going and then you know like when you're doing your you you know you're sharpening your pencil or whatever everything's you're 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 getting better you're hopefully getting better so yeah i i don't know i'm i just i'm just fucking trying you know yeah. so see are, are you happy are you happy to be a beginner are you comfortable like being um you know like cuz when you're a beginner obviously you you are disadvantaged but but occasionally that can be i mean obviously we had that little thread about skating and failure so and and you explained like uh, about how that influenced the beginning of your career but now i'm 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 and i I, yeah i'm interested do you are you comfortable with that are you comfortable with like just trying things for the sake of being at the start and and what that can what that can give you yeah i mean i kind of don't really I don't really worry that much about stuff. Like I feel like at this point, like I have a certain amount of mastery and, and uh, you know, like, and I can adapt my creativity to whatever. And if what I'm making is good, 
I'll share it. And if it's not, I won't, you know, like, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, like whatever I've been, I kind of have a music project. Like I started making some music for my new film, uh, like three years ago and, or maybe longer four years ago. And it kind of evolved into, I don't know if a group is exactly right, but we, we don't, we don't really play like a group, but we, we record and it's a certain, I'm, I'm kind of the, the producer and I play some of the stuff, but I'm just more kind of directing the energy of the project and, which which I've done, I've done like music production uh, producing for years with my own record label and stuff like that. But uh, I'm not a very good musician at all uh, and surround myself with people that are proficient and that can do stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, again, like I say, again, it's just like showing up. It's like showing up and trying. And I think it's interesting because I have, I have an idea of what I want to do. And then the other people, they don't have the same idea. And then I'll be like, say to my friend Caleb the other day, I'm just like, okay, when you play the drums on this track, you got, you have to be way behind the beat. And I'm like, even further behind the beat. And he's like, what? You want me to play on top of the beat before? And I'm like, no. (laughs) No, I don't. I want you to play just in front of it, you know, but I want, I want you to make tension between that and, and, and the, the synth bed that we built. So there's a tension. So there's a tension in the feeling of the song. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yes. And and then he like does it because unnatural to him. Yeah. But then he does it. And then there it is. Then, then the song's functioning. But like yeah. on his own devices, he would have been right on the beat. Yeah. And it had no tension. It was just whatever it was. So, so he trusts so he trusts you though, didn't he? So he's he's listening definitely. and he's trusting you. And Def- definitely. But like I also like I'm like what I'm getting at is like I'm also navigating through feeling and trusting feeling and then also having very little musical ability. Yeah. But so I guess somewhat answering your question through talking about this. Yeah, I, I like I don't worry too much about being a beginner and stuff like I, I feel like also I feel like I feel like a lot of people are like, I can't do that. And it's like I feel like everyone has something to offer, you know, like everyone you people will be like, I can't draw. And I'm like, well, you can draw you. And, and actually your perceived shitty drawings may be very unique in their shittiness, you know, or their perceived shittiness. And, and actually that's a really interesting place to be coming from because it's raw and it's really emotional and, and you're just doing it. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like being, you know, being in a place where you're a beginner can have a lot of advantages. I mean, think about also, if you think about music, 
like a lot of a lot of bands best record is their first record yeah you know and and most a lot of that is because they didn't know how to play and and but but they had a lot of emotion to translate through what they were trying to get across and they and and a, probably a lot a lot, lot of like not thinking about it and just trying and then later they thought about it more the, the difficult they, second and then album got in like a uh like a musical purgatory like when yeah at first they weren't very good and then they just tried really hard and then they were better but they weren't good enough to be really good yeah so and they, and they and they lost they lost the you the thing that made them unique what's your favorite first album that's that's since you took since you brought that up like because it's i mean that that sums up what you're talking about I mean, I don't know. I don't know, really. I mean, like The Clash's first record or, I don't know, Bauhaus or, I don't know. You know, like, probably a lot more in, like, the punk rock realm, like The Damned. Like, Damned's first record is, like, the best ever. Or The Stooges, you know, I don't know. I think that 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 probably like comes across really well in a punk rock way because the general structure of punk rock music is you know not super talented and more emotionally driven so yeah I mean when you were when you were talking I was sort of thinking about what you were saying and ultimately people value intent and authenticity in art don't they like and they'll yeah. and and if they see that then they'll forget, they don't give a shit about proficiency, you know whether it's music or or anything really and that's 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 the that's the why it's hard isn't it <laughs> because it's it's easy to say but not necessarily very easy to accomplish and yeah, yeah music is obviously like a like you say a classic classic example of that just going to warn you my dog might start barking because he's 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 it's half eight here and he's he's a city dog who's very much not used to the the countryside so he's um okay <laughs> so yeah um hopefully hey sit down sit down um the other question i mean we've talked a lot about art which is thank you because I, I actually thought do you know what i'm not going to get him to talk about art and creativity because i assumed you won't want to <laughs> but um but it's been really interesting i guess my final question on it before um I'm really interested in talking to you about travel as well. Um, is spontaneity, where does that all fit into this? Um, the, what we've been talking about, do you value spontaneity in, when it comes to creativity? Yeah. I mean, I, I think spontaneity is, I, f- I feel like a lot of things in being creative is, is more like, it's kind of like, kind of, I think about, it comes back, a lot of th- the things I think about come back to music. And I think about creativity in a lot of ways as being kind of like a jazz band, say like Miles Davis would, you know, he always had like the best players and the way they would all be very prepared. You know, like I think when John Coltrane played with Miles Davis, he would practice eight to nine hours a day. And that's how he would be ready because i don't think miles would tell them much Mm. he would just go and they would have to be ready to go as well 
And I feel like a lot of spontaneity is like, you know, with time of evolution of like doing stuff and then just having all the materials ready and, and ha having a mindset ready, having all the things ready in the room to go, you know, yeah. and then, you know, like everyone's in the room, you know, it's like, that's kind of like, I'm at the end of this process with this movie and I just need a few more shots and then everyone will be in the room and then I can finish. Yeah. You know? I'll shoot. Hopefully I shoot that tonight or at the end of the day today, I send all the film in and next week I'll be heading towards finishing because everyone will be in the room. Uh, so yeah. And then I feel like if you create a good scenario for spontaneity, where everything's at hand and you can move without being like, Oh, I don't have that, you know, like, yeah. you know, and I think that's some, you know, whatever, that's something I've learned over the time just to be prepared. Yeah. Well, and, and the right, um, it kind of reminded me that if you're into the Picasso museum in Barcelona, uh -huh. so, I mean, I find that so fascinating because, you can really trace his development as an artist. And there's all this stuff from a, from a kid. He's obviously this like incredible draftsman and artist and incredibly intricate drawings. And, and, and then you just see, see the progress to spontaneity, simplicity and abstraction, which clearly was his life's work. I mean, that was, that was the deal. That was where it led him. You know, that was, that was him, as you say, turning up every day, sitting down on that chair, doing the work. And then. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's a better example of, I mean, also for me, like he's, he's, I mean, always been one of the, the biggest inspirations of being free to different mediums and just going, you know, and then, you know, it's, it, he's just, he's just the, the best example of compounding showing up yeah. and, and, and then it just going off the scales. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been, have you ever been to the Reina Sofia in Madrid? No, I'd love to, but I've never, I've never actually been to Madrid. Oh, there's, I mean, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's still there, but uh, I don't know, maybe, I guess it was probably on the same trip, but later I would, the first time when I went to Europe, I was in like Europe and Africa for like a year or maybe a year and four months. I was just, and I was like staying in a squat in the Basque country near Bilbao. And then like, I went to Madrid and I think, I think I went, to the Reina Sofia with Mark Gonzalez. I think he was in, in Madrid and we went there, these Spanish guys. And, um, it was crazy because they had like, they had like a guarn, you know, there's multiple, I think there's three guarnicas. I could be wrong, but I think, I think he painted three of them. Yeah. I think there was three, wasn't there in the end? Like, yeah. yeah. And then there's, you know, there's all these preliminary drawings on paper. Yeah. Like oh, large. I'd, I'd absolutely love to see that oh it's it's crazy and then like and i i especially then i was like super overwhelmed by any kind of art 
like going to see anything. And then like that was crazy. And then there, I was really into Moreau and there was like t- huge room of Moreau's. And I was just like, what the fuck? This is crazy. <laughs> and then like, I was never really into Dolly until that day. And then I went into another room and they had all these dollies and lots that I hadn't seen. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this guy is just like so incredible. It was totally nuts. And then I was like pretty much, and maybe somewhere in between this, I saw one of the coolest pieces of art I've ever seen. So this is like 92 or 91 or something. And, um, in, there was there was this table and and a, a two chairs one at each end of the table and there was these little holes with small divots and in the divot was a hole and you sit at the table and you didn't hear anything and you put your elbows in the divots and you put your hands over your ears and you could hear music clearly wow as soon as you took them off your ears, you couldn't hear anything. Right. And it was the artist, Lori Anderson. Oh, really? Right. Okay. And it was one of the coolest pieces of art I've ever seen. Oh, oh Superman, Lori Anderson. Yes, exactly. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah that, sounds, so- that sounds amazing. I mean, all right, I'm going to ask you one more about art since you, you kind of went there. But I, did, I, I was going to ask you about influences because we've obviously talked a lot about your um how you've ended up with this take if you like um but do you do you you know you've described a few there you know um do you do you have inspirations that you use like other artists or the work whether it you know from it from across the genres is that something that's active for you yeah i would say that like i'm not going to get super esoteric and try to like be the cool guy here at all like, cause it's, it's pretty Picasso and Warhol to me, like have always been really inspiring on their multi-dimensional media attack. Yeah. I, I love the Warhol Netflix thing, by the way. I don't know if you've watched that. There's a three, yeah. I, th- I thought it was brilliant that like, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I sort of watched it like, uh, okay, you know, Netflix thing about Warhol, but I thought it was just incredible. Cause it really, it really did show you how, again, what a workhorse he was. Like you know, like what what a, and and also the balance of he, he was a commercial. I mean, he was the, the as commercial as it gets, wasn't he? You know, and 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 but on completely on his own terms. And I just found that absolutely fascinating, like the way but, that he. But also, the interesting thing about Warhol and Picasso is that. And you might not know this, but, you know, like, I think there was a certain point in like the 80s where like people didn't like they were just like, oh, he's that's yeah, that's that's not cool. And he's passe. Yeah. yeah, And even and even with Picasso, like in the maybe in the 70s and 80s, people were just like, whatever. So an interesting thing about uh, Picasso, which I read about and. Uh, you know, I can't verify if this is correct or not, but what I, what I read is that he made so much work that his daughter took all the work to Florida 
and she got this huge warehouse temperature correct warehouse and stored everything there and it's just been like De Beers diamonds just like letting it out slowly oh really wow yeah and and there's shit tons of it and wow. like he, he just made so much work and then you know there was a period where it's passe it's like uh oh, who cares yeah you know? here i mean you only have these two or three or four a year or whatever yeah. the, the other thing i loved about the warhol thing was because you know everyone especially if you grew up you know a little bit younger than you but sort of similar age in terms of like culture subculture selling out that whole concept and you know like and i just love the fact that warhol like when he did that burger king ad was like not give a fuck was just like yeah i am gonna embrace every commercial opportunity that comes my way and from the beginning was just so comfortable with that and again the influence of that is is I don't know. It really made me appreciate the sheer influence because obviously you know you know the stuff, you know the quotes, you know the fifteen minutes of fame, you know the, you know you know the famous pieces. But then to see to see his career contextualized as a working artist over like a fifty year period, I kind of was like, yeah. I mean, basically everybody who follows a creative career these days is essentially following that path. I mean, that is that is the deal, really. You know. Um, yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you. Sorry, you were you, you were saying Warhol and in terms of the the influences yeah i would say those are the obvious ones uh i mean i think i'm always drawn to the people that are kind of straddling genres maybe hockney uh, i mean I, I i don't know if i mean i don't know if most of or any of it is very apparent in my work but just like the ethos yeah and then you know, I, I would say like a lot, I, well, I'll say this, you know, probably people in my genre, uh, or in my kind of like beautiful loser-ish group, like Barry McGee and Margaret Kilgallen and Chris Johansson and Ed Templeton, you know, like some, you know, somewhat Mark Gonzalez, but not, not as much, but, uh, just, I feel like there was a lot of like kind of like swapping of ideas and kind of like undulation of influence within that group. And, uh, but I, I would say that like, I, I would say that a lot, a lot of um, like musicians and music has really always been really inspiring and you know that like the miles miles thing or um or like scott walker is oh, really I was, listening, I was listening to scott four yesterday what a record jesus incredible or three or two or one or bish bosh or whatever like, and he's another one isn't he he's another one like in terms of this arc that we're talking about like this kind of earning the right arc if you like i mean by the end i mean fuck me like he he was that was no fucks given was it <laughs> that was, incredible that was so a man who, that, was, that was a man who was like i am literally gonna punch a piece of meat as a rhythm track and i'm gonna release that and that's and that's that you know and you have got to respect that i think haven't you oh, and i and i do hugely like it, it's so inspiring it's like 
okay, what are you feeling? How is this feeling coming out? And then not trying to second guess it, you know? And so, yeah, and, and whatever, coming back, whatever, the stooges are the same, you know, just being like infinitely expressive with seemingly no cones to swerve through whatsoever in front of you. And, you know, Patty Smith or Alice Coltrane or whatever, you know, like, like I've, I feel like, a, and a lot of times like those types of things are really megaly influential or guided by voices or what, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, yeah. So the, the realm of inspiration, uh, comes in, comes in different ways and yeah. Well, we're on an hour. How are you doing for time? Have you got more time or are you on the clock? Uh, no, I can, I probably got a half an hour. Okay. Um, yeah. I want to ask you about travel because you alluded to it earlier, but clearly a hugely important part of your life over the years in, in informing a lot of the work as well. I mean, Morocco being the obvious example. Now you're a dad in Northern California, right? Is that where you are right now? Um, yeah, I so, live kind of like north of Santa Cruz, about like 10 miles up the coast. And then just up in the woods, I live kind of like live around I mean, I make, the Redwood floor. I'm making an assumption that perhaps you can't travel as much these days. And I wondered if, or, or you've choose not to travel as much. I wondered if that's true. And if you, if you miss it, given it gave you so much when you were younger. Um, I did travel a lot. I think, I think maybe I went to like 58 countries or something. Um, like pretty much everywhere from Madagascar to Sri Lanka to Indonesia to Fiji to South America, wherever, all over the States. Did the rounds. Africa. Um, so yeah, uh, I think, I think I, I think I was motivated. I kind of grew up in a kind of a, a family that was a little bit like strict and then not very expansive on like a, on like an idea of going out into the world. It was what did you, what did you grow up Thomas? I grew up in Southern California in a place called Dana point. Okay. Uh, which is like right between San Diego and Los Angeles on the coast. And, you know, I'm in a family of six kids. I have five sisters. And um, that's kind of like right, Are you right the youngest? Up. No. Right. Okay, I was going to say, wow, five older sisters, that'd be, <laughs> I'd be quite something. Well, it was interesting because like I have three older and just older ones, five years older. And I have right. two younger and the just younger ones, five years younger. So it's kind of like out in this, like, I didn't go to school with my sisters. I was kind of out in this almost, almost like a only child in a big family because it wasn't, you know, if you don't go to school with your siblings, you're kind of like, at least my, my experience was I wasn't that connected with them. So, uh, anyway, um, we didn't travel. 
it wasn't part of our family dynamic. So I feel like uh, when I was growing up and the, and the way that the culture was happening around where I lived, it was kind of going from kind of a cool rural setting, kind of down home, coastal, not too many people, mellow, uh, to like kind of a 90210, faster, more rich, uh, image right. conscious place. And I was just like, oh, fuck this. I'm out of here, you know? Right. And uh, and then I just felt like, oh, I think I was motivated. I was like, how how do other people live? Because this is clearly lame. And and then I started and then I think it was just more like, oh, you know, like I was I had a serious wanderlust. And uh, and I would say probably more or less I satiated that and um my daughter, uh, my wife and I, like, we were trying to have a child many years before we ended up having one. And uh, so she kind of came later. I was 47, you know, when she came. And uh, I think just nicely, like, I, you know, I don't mind traveling. I I think the older I get, the harder it is harder it is to travel like it's not it's not as it's not easy at all really so and i just need to be home for her you know or take her with me you know so uh it's cool i i i don't i don't have a lot of kind of feelings about wanting to do things that i can't do i feel pretty good about it yeah so it kind of kind of worked out. Whatever, I'll travel. I went to Mexico last month, uh, and I don't know. I guess I'm going to Canada in a few weeks for a business meeting, but which should be nice. And you know, just doing little things here and there is fine. I mean, it looks like you've got a great spot where you are. That must have been. That must be nice to have a you know have a sort of grounding home center you know how's that yeah. been yeah it's good i i uh i live yeah i live basically in the country side and uh i don't really need like i think a lot of people are like oh i need inspiration being in the city I, like i don't i don't need i don't need that anymore and i need i like quiet and I think it enables me to hear myself better. And I, I feel like I feel like in some ways I'm kind of like an empath and and lots of energy can and can become overwhelming and like and then it's hard to decipher I'm thinking. And I feel like once I moved to the country, uh, it was easier to hear myself and and work kind of at any time before I would usually tend to work best at like, I don't know, nine at night to like four in the morning or something. And that's not very sustainable. And then now when I live in the country, I can kind of work whenever I yeah only work in the morning now. Yeah. So you, you found you had a different rhythm. Is that, is that, um, do you find that with different places then that you have, 
different ways of, of, of working? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been living where basically in the same area for 20 years now out in the woods. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it just, it just is, it just is what it is. Yeah. I'm going to ask you just one, one final theme, if that's all right. Cause I, sure. I listened to, um, your chat with Lauren and Dave Rastovich. Um, uh-huh. and you were quite animated about the state of politics over there, um, in that, and that was probably about three years ago. Yeah. And it feels like it's even more of a shit show now. Um, I, I, I also put my own country in that, um, category as well. So yeah. I wondered, I wondered how you feel about that. Cause, uh, cause you were, I mean, they're literally banning books. <laughs> It's, it's like, it's, and banning abortion, it's it's obviously getting to uh, a fairly alarming state. So I just, I just wondered if, how you felt about that. You know, I, I feel like we're, you know, in, in, in our, in the United States, we have two parties, right? Basically two parties that are functioning, you know, and say like an interesting thing is like, uh, Bernie Sanders, who's run for president, like in a European context, Bernie Sanders would be a centrist. Oh yeah, too right. He would. would probably be more right than center. Bernie Sanders in a European context of of government, but in, in the United States, he's far left. Yeah. So basically, like everything in everything in the U.S. is right. Like literally, it's all it's all right and. And I feel like, I feel like we're just, we're just at a place of like, we're, you know, we're at a place of ownership. You know, I, I feel like it's, it's not, it's not Democrat versus Republican. It's, it's, it's the ownership class versus the working class. And I, I don't think that a lot of people see it that way. I think a lot of people still have hope that there's functionality within the political parties. Um, I feel like more like I'm backing away from a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know where it goes. I don't, I don't have a lot of hope. Um, uh, because I feel like, I feel like there's just an overall ownership of everything. And, and like, the, the, the people that own everything are going to pay for, you know, whoever to run for president, both of them and whoever wins they, they own, you know? And, and I think if that's, it, that's the, that's what's happening all the way down the line. Anyway, there it's all ownership in our country because outside interests can pay for the political parties to run and support them. Yeah. Which, you know, that just, that makes it totally undemocratic anyway, because it's not about the people. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think I, I think I was more politically vocal before I was, and I don't, I just don't, I'm not really aligned very much with what's going on. And and it, and it's kind of like 
exhausting and and you know like i i don't really see i don't really see a positive outcome so what i've been trying to do personally is like just focus on what i have uh impact on which is my everyday life and showing up and being a good dad and yeah trying to whatever hang with my friends and have have you know interactions and communication because it's it's i don't know how it is uh in europe and or in england at the moment but here it's like it's it's the structure is so polarizing that people are like you're you're either on this side or you're on that side and it's like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, like two sides is ridiculous. You know, it like doesn't leave a lot of room for nuance, does it? No. And, and then, you know, people are blaming each other instead of like trying to understand each other, you know, and like that, that tension is also manifestation of like also how our government works in the world, you know, and you know, they're very aggressive and a militaristic, form and it's just like what about peace and love what about communication what about diplomacy you know like we're so owned by the military industrial complex and and like their overriding movement out into the earth you know that it's it's just like it's not about democracy it's about it's it's really about control and resources, you know? So I just don't know, you know, like, I don't know how that changes. Like, I, I, th- I think I used to be delusional and think within the context of the political scenario that that could change. Yeah. But I just, I don't, I don't think the people that can change will be allowed to be in those positions, you know, like I think they're, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I don't know. Um, and like I said, I'm just trying to focus on being present to my daughter and being, you know, doing, doing the things I can do. And, you know, you know, my, my, I think my job's important also on just like, uh, you know, it's not overtly political, the work that I'm doing, but I feel like it adds energetically to the creative movement of like expansiveness, I hope. Yeah. And, you know, like say even like my last skateboard movie, Yield Destruction, uh, it, it wasn't like, if you watch it, you wouldn't think it was at all political, but, it, but it, to me it was like the tension within the movie had a lot to do with like, Trump and just like the feeling of what was has been happening and the control and you know like I feel like my new movie has a similar tension um and maybe there might be some slight overt nods to feelings around that but yeah I just feel like you know hopefully hopefully peace and diplomacy can prevail 
I, I'm not sure how that might work out. Um, but that's, that's my, my hope. And, you know, like, and the manifestation of being creative and, and expressing our feelings through art, I think is a really important concept and, and just sharing, sharing our, you know, human, uh, condition and you know like this shit is also nothing new no. you know like this this is th- these kind of power plays and control have played out through time there's probably very little or no time that these things aren't really happening on the earth uh you know there can be a an, an illusion or a delusion that they're not but in the end, they are the land and money grab is constant. Yeah, I would agree with that. Do you know the Dust to Digital Instagram account? Oh, you should check that out. You will love that. Just on that point you said about creativity art and like the sort of human human spirit. It's it it's it's a label actually. You'll love the label. It's a record label, Dust to Digital. Um, what it sounds it's it sounds familiar. Yeah, they, as you might imagine from the name, you know, they, they're, they're a bit like, you know, light in the attic records, like they, yeah. they kind of, they kind of like, you know, find the old gems and, and bring them out. Anyway, their Instagram account is, 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 I'll just leave it with you. I think you'll really enjoy it. Hey, Thomas, thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, and just thanks also for re- taking the time to do it. Um, much appreciated. So there you go. That was me and Thomas Campbell and I hope you enjoyed it. That was one of those ones where I had to take five minutes afterwards to appreciate how lucky I am to be able to have conversations like that and call it work or whatever the fuck it is that I actually do. We actually stayed on the line for about 45 minutes afterwards chatting about music, art, literature and all the rest. Actually, at Thomas's request because I think he was surprised by uh, by how much he enjoyed our conversation, which was ace for me, obviously. And I do think I successfully managed to invite myself to see him next time I'm in California. So yeah, a good one. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, segue alert. Why not let me know by leaving me a comment on the Substack page or by sharing it from there with a friend who you think would be interested in this. That, incidentally, is also the easiest way of dipping your toe into the paid subscription market. Forward this episode to five friends. Literally click a button that says forward. And if they sign up as a free or paid subscriber, you get three months paid subscription absolutely free which is nice, isn't it? So as you probably gathered, I recorded that in France, talked a little bit about this um, at the end of the Matt George episode, but has basically been what I've been doing for the last six weeks. So been over there for six weeks, working on our new house and land with Boog and Peg. And what a, what a decade long, actually lifetime long mission we've got on our hands. Um, I am enjoying this experience very much though. And I'm learning a lot mainly about what a fuckwit I am um, and how long I've got away with it Um, so it's been humbling rewarding hugely gratifying and I'm gutted we've had to come home because of uh, those incredibly annoying new Brexit regulations which mean you can only spend three months out of every six in France now Um, whereas previously you could spend as long as you wanted seems a bit silly to change that to me but what do I know Um, but like I say it's going to literally take decades to to get a handle on this place but i'm i'm down with it um 
So what else is going on? Well, we're going to record the next episode of Roundtable soon, me, Lauren and John, which is an episode exclusively for paid subscribers. If you're still listening at this point, there's a chance you're a paid subscriber. If you are, I salute you. If you're not, at least sign up as a free one, eh? Um, but if you've got any topics or ideas that you'd like us to discuss on Roundtable, drop me a line. You can find me at We Look Sideways on Instagram via e oldie substack or you can email me podcast at we are looking sideways.com all right that's it for this week thank you thomas thank you owen for the picks i'll be back with another one soon nice one